0: From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 8th, 2024 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. This episode is our legislative preview for the 2024 legislative session, folks. That's right. Get ready because it's here. We are in session Tuesday, January 9th. We are off and running, folks, and that's why we have Shauna Adcox, editor of the South Carolina Daily Gazette, and James Pollard, Report for America Corps member, working with the AP here on the show. Well, it was this week in South Carolina, folks, but since I'm traveling, and if you're listening right now Tuesday morning, I'm in the air, so we are just doing a little bit of a double dip here. Twisk, lead. If you want to see this, you can watch it on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV or Friday at 7 30 p.m. on ETV channels. You're getting the preview, folks, because we're talking about what's going to happen under the Statehouse Dome here in Columbia this year. The lead loves hearing from you guys. We want to hear more from you. It's a new year. Tell us what's going on. 803-563-7169. A lot is happening. We want to hear about those New Year's resolutions. I need some air fryer recipes, okay? let us know. AT wants AT needs some hot takes, okay? You've been hearing his hot takes. We need some new ones. Individual toe socks. I find out my brother wears them. There's a lot we have to deal with. 803-563-7169. Tune in. Give us a shout. Folks, like I said, this is from a recording from This Week in South Carolina, which is airing this Friday night. But you're going the preview here on Tuesday or anytime before Friday. And I start off by asking Shauna about the governor's recently released budget and what stood out to her. Take a listen. Let's talk about the budget before we talk about any of these legislative issues. We saw the governor release his budget uh, last week, talking about some of his top priorities. Uh, we, uh, it serves as a blueprint for lawmakers to use when it comes to crafting their budget, because obviously the House starts with that, the Senate picks it up, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, but what did you see in the governor's budget? Anything that jumped out at you?
1: I cover education. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of the near and dear to my heart kind of thing. So yes, the pay scale and his changes to the salary schedule jumped out at me. Now, mm-hmm. they follow the recommendations, largely, not completely, of a Teacher salary or a teacher study that came out last May, but it would it would put 250 million into teacher salaries, Mm -hmm. but it does and it would raise the salary floor, the absolute minimum a first year teacher could make from 42.5 to 45. But that doesn't mean all teachers would get 2,500.
0: Like they previously did. Right. This does
1: not guarantee a, a pay raise for all, although most would get it depending on what the district pays already. But it would shrink the salary schedule in two ways and hopefully pay teachers more over their entire career. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's something that the legislature has to deal with too when it comes to that pay raise, right? It sounds like... Oh yes, that's part of the budget. It's always
1: handled in a proviso. mm -hmm. And they've paid teachers the same way since 1977, since the Education Finance Act, and this would be the first big major change in the salary schedule in almost 50 years.
0: And they've been changing education funding too, here and there, tinkering with it. So you could say that there's maybe some appetite for this.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've been increasing teacher pay. If it does go to 45, that would actually mark a $10,000 increase over the last five years in the bottom basement level that they could get paid. $10,000 over four years is substantial or five years. But it actually obviously has not moved the mark in terms of breaking or stemming that teacher shortage. Mm-hmm. So the idea is let's do things a little bit differently.
0: Yeah, we can talk about those numbers in a minute too, but James, I want to ask you about what you saw in the governor's budget. This is your second year running around the state house with us, I'm sure you're having a lot of fun with that. Uh, but you s- heard the governor talk, uh, what stood out to you from his priority list?
2: Yeah, uh, as Shauna said, it's, it's an education heavy budget again. One nugget that doesn't get a huge chunk of the pie, but could have a big impact is actually um, $3 million for a higher education committee study. Uh, the governor wants them to look at whether the state's uh, 33 public institutions uh, could be consolidated in some ways. Um, they're looking at trends in population around fewer students going to college nowadays and also the birth rate declining. They think there's some room for consolidation.
0: Shona, when we talk about consolidating, I mean, <laughs> we're talking <laughs> about school districts, but then you start talking about colleges. Like, that's. Whew. It's it's already hard enough to do in our <laughs> state with school districts. We have like still like some eighty school districts or so. Uh, they, they Seventy-seven. Been,
1: I they've think been trying
0: at? to consolidate that through incentives. So well, I imagine this will be even more difficult to do.
1: Right. And, and go back to Mark Sanford. Mm-hmm. For years, he wanted to create what was called a board of regents, like other states have, and he talked about closing some of the two-year campuses for USC, mm-hmm. and that went over like a ton of bricks. It obviously never got any sort of traction. But with the enrollment issues and and we see this big surplus in scholarship money, McMaster's proposing a comprehensive study, which of course, when they don't know what to do, they study it, right? (laughs) Um, And they want some outside force to do it because no one in South Carolina is going to say, I want to close you or I want to merge you. Mm -hmm. And perhaps when they study is done some of our thirty three two and four-year campuses might merge supposedly.
0: Yeah and when we also talk about the budget the governor is also big on public safety so there's some pay raises in there for those folks too it seems like and then uh, also school safety has been a big push of his so more SROs right. public safety training there so kind of his of, I guess walking a fine line when it comes to gun issues and, and concerns about that but also safe schools.
1: Right. Well and I I think it was like 400 schools or 400 SROs or something like that when mm-hmm. he when he made this big push in 2018 when the mass shooting happened in Florida. And this, he says, would put an SRO in every school.
0: Mm-hmm, which has been a goal, just like trying to get teacher pay, the starting pay, to 50,000, which... By
1: 2026, yes.
0: Seems like it's gonna be on track, do you think, where That's, it's going?
1: If, he, if this continues, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Sean, I want to stick with you because you guys had a big story in the South Carolina Daily Gazette about the governor asking for $500 million to fix bridges. Uh, There's been a a pretty good crisis going on when it comes to infrastructure in our state. They're trying to mitigate that. They raised the gas tax years ago, uh, but still there are a lot of bridges that are in difficult conditions. So what's going on with that? What's the reception that you've been seeing to that uh, story?
1: Well, about a third of our bridges, like 2,700, are past what they call the... uh, but they were intended to live, their live-by date, <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> Which is not something you really, right. maybe for milk, but <laughs> maybe not a bridge.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and there's something like 500 that are over 90 years old that are, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of scary, actually. <laughs> um, but the issue, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that there's any push, well, most legislators won't have a pushback in, we need mm-hmm. to fix our bridges. Sure. The pushback will be where he's, he's suggesting getting the money. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's taking it from a surplus of sales taxes that's mounted over the, since 2020 from the Fund for Property Tax Relief through Act 388 and opening up Act 388 from 2006. Any debate on that is just going to be a, a hornet's nest, as Bruce Bannister would say.
0: Mm-hmm. House ways and <laughs> means, Chairman. Especially when we're talking about how much money is in this budget, too, right? There's an extra, I think, $1.5 billion split between recurring and one-time dollars. You're talking about surplus money. Well,
1: and as the chairman said, they could do it the way that the House planned to do it last year, which was put $200 million toward a five-year, $1 billion mm-hmm. request by BOT. It was put in the McMaster's recommendations. It was put in the first House plan. Senate took it out, and that's why it didn't get passed last year
0: the back and forth between the two chambers. James, we heard from Senate Majority Leader Shane Massey recently uh, saying that my hope is that we don't focus too much on social issues this cha- uh, this session, uh, but is that gonna be the case? I mean, you, you were asking him questions about transgender-related bills being filed, uh, and those bills can really drive a lot of agendas, especially in an election year for both the House and the Senate. What's your take?
2: I think AP's count had 22 states that passed some form of bans on gender-affirming care for minors. Uh, whether it's bans on surgical procedures or um, hormone therapies. And on the House side, already this week, the first week of session, we, we see one such bill going forward, and I know the House expects to have a floor debate pretty quickly on that issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, today we heard leaders in the Senate say that they will welcome whatever the House sends them on that. So it seems to be a, a priority for both chambers and something that leaders think they'll get through this, uh, this session.
0: Especially because we just got the high school transgender sports bill, was that la- that last year or the year before that? I think it was think relatively it was before recently, before that. Yeah. yeah. So it's still a ball that's very much in play, and like you say, nationally, it's happening across the nation as well. So Shauna, when we talk about social issues, we did see the biggest one last year was the six-week abortion ban bill that did pass uh, after years of debate um, in various forms. We did see the state Supreme Court uphold that six-week abortion ban last uh, summer. So it is the law of the land. But again, Senator Shane Massey, the majority leader in the the Senate says they're not trying to focus on these social issues and that they don't expect to debate abortion again. What do you think? Having covered the state house for so long, can we
1: every single year we take up abortion? (laughs) Um, So I believe that the Senate does not intend to take it up. I also would not be surprised if it's It'll come up in some fashion, if only in in the budget debate. That's kind of normal. Somebody will have an amendment out there. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I don't think there's going to be any desire from leadership to go through, hash out any more debate on that, especially since as Shane Massey made clear again and again and again (laughs) over months, the Senate. There's not the votes in the Senate to go any further than they did.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, six weeks was a tough sell. We talk about personhood. We talk about, you know, near total abortion ban from conception. The the votes have not changed. And again, it's election year. So assuming things do change.
1: It, It will probably come back up next year, depending on what the elections show or, you know, who gets elected. But I really don't think it will this year.
0: I know I didn't ask you about this, but do you think that we're going to see the Senate become more conservative going forward if you were to look into a crystal ball?
1: Um, <laughs> I think they probably have a good chance to pick up a seat or two.
0: Mm-hmm, because a lot of those folks that were voting for that abortion bill are now going to be targets of primaries.
1: Well, and, you know, just because of the, the state itself and redistricting, there are some seats that have become more red.
0: Mm-hmm. The chamber likely become more red too. A lot to watch this year. But, James, when we're talking about social issues, a big discussion point at the South Carolina Press Association media workshop this week was about hate crimes. It's been one that's been on the books for a while. On the books, I mean, on the calendar, I should say, uh, because it has passed the House. It's a penalty enhancement bill. Uh, Again, passed the House before. It's on the Senate calendar, it's blocked there. Any word, did you get any vibe from the lawmakers this week about
2: how that might move forward, if it might move forward? It seems very unlikely to move forward in the Senate, which is where it's been stuck. Majority Leader Shane Massey personally opposes it. He uh, made that very clear at the uh, Press Association event. And uh, regardless of his own personal feelings, he insists that there's not enough votes to pass it. Uh, while there might be enough votes, you know, more people in the Senate uh, want to pass it than oppose it. They don't have the votes to shut down some of the procedural tactics that opponents can use to uh, kill a bill. Mm-hmm. So it seems very unlikely.
0: Yeah, we had some healthy debate on that there, too. But again, this is a bill that, you know, you basically have to almost kill somebody or kill somebody in order to get this penalty enhancement. So very limited, not that bill that some people feared that would infringe on First Amendment rights or anything like
2: that. Yes, I mean, after we saw the cross burning in Conway recently, uh, there were calls from supporters to, to pass this bill. But as you noted, this is a very conservative bill that uh, likely wouldn't apply to that scenario anyway.
1: And it's just an enhancement. You mm-hmm. can't... It, it applies after someone's convicted, so you can't just charge someone with a hate crime.
0: But you would think, we, we heard them talk, you know, if you want to be tough on crime, just add one more layer of... A penalty, but apparently it doesn't work. But it does work for bond reform. <laughs> 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 but James, uh, education is always, folks. We were just talking about that in the budget. Uh, we left last session talking about a controversial bill that passed both chambers. That's in conference committee with House and Senate members, uh, dealing with critical race theory CR- CRT being prohibited in K through twelve schools. Uh, again, that's not taught in schools right now, but this would make sure that's the case.
2: Uh, what's the deal with this bill? Do you see this going forward? What's your take? Yeah. So. Like a lot of these issues in the South Carolina legislature, this is a House-Senate battle, not a Republican-Democrat battle. Um, So right now, senators passed a bill that doesn't include two major House provisions. One that would allow parents anywhere to challenge educational materials in a school district, whether or not they live in that district. And uh, another provision that would require that teachers stick to the lesson plans they post publicly online uh, several days before they teach it. Regardless of whether news events change, they would have to stick with that. Republicans in the Senate don't want to see that happen. They're meeting the first week of the session with their House colleagues to see if they can find a way forward. Uh, I think both sides want to. They want to make this bill happen, but um, it's just a matter of what's in the final product. Mm
1: -hmm. And and I will add, what most people don't realize is that the concepts that get a lot of attention in terms of what this bill bans are already banned in state law. Mm -hmm. So what the The bill actually does is set up a complaint process. I mean, and that that law is actually why the how the Freedom Caucus sued Lexington County and Charleston County. Mm -hmm. The bill itself would remove one of those banned concepts from what is already banned in state law.
2: And kind of a lesser discussed aspect of the bill is it also uh, requires that materials be age appropriate and um, also bans classroom trainings, mandatory trainings on gender and sexuality. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty broad swath of a lot of issues that we hear
0: hear play out across the country, different laws, legislatures. Sean, I want to ask you about uh, a big bill that passed last year, which was education scholarship accounts. We're talking about mm-hmm. school choices, something you've been watching for a while and finally got across the finish line last year.
1: That's another thing Sanford started.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're going back Again, grants for what, six thousand dollars in vouchers for qualifying families? Up to five thousand. Okay, and then so this is in the courts right now, but where do we see this going? Do we see more money going towards this cause too?
1: Well, so the, while passed last year, they didn't put any money toward it other than the ability to set it up and contract for the people who would set the the online system. So the $30 million that's in McMaster's budget is actually just would pay for what the signups start in a a week or two. Mm -hmm. And the court hearing is in March and the signups end a week later. And so that $30 million pays for the folks who have already signed up before the court even hears the case.
0: Okay, so we're really getting close to the line there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it, it. the one thing the lawsuit did not do is stop the process mm-hmm. until the decision came out, yeah. which is, not, that's why we had this odd scenario where they're starting it up, they're getting p- parents to enroll, and then we're going to have the court case on, can we do this?
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> Sounds very South Carolina to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to grow over the years too. This like the pilot, then it just, continues to add yeah, more. Yeah, so this
1: year it's $6,000 for fi- up to 5,000. Okay. And incrementally increases not only in the number of children that can mm-hmm. participate but also in the eligibility of income. So right now a, par- a child would have to qualify for Medicaid by by the time this is fully phased in, the parents can make up to 400% of the poverty level. So it it's it, it, you can't say it's for poor kids. Mm-hmm. Certainly not by the time this thing is fully phased in.
0: Gotcha. Uh, And when we talk about, we were talking about teacher pay a moment ago and how big of an issue that is in terms of kind of keeping teachers on the rolls in South Carolina. According to the Center for Educator Recruitment, Retention and Advancement, their latest report was that there were about 1,600 unfilled K through 12 educator jobs in the start of the 2023-2024 school year, which is a 9% increase from the year before. Uh, Like we talked about, we boosted teacher pay across the board $2,500 and more money for per-pupil funding. Is that going to be enough if we keep adding more from what you're hearing from educators, from what you're hearing from advocates? It's not just money?
1: Yeah, I mean, they need, I mean, obviously, everyone wants to make more money, no matter what you already make, right? But you need to support the teachers. You know, part of the things they ask for is they they want breaks. They They don't feel supported by their administration. They're asked to do things, whether it's, Bus duty, Mm -hmm. they have to do all these other things that they don't get compensated for. And I don't know how you legislate respect for teachers, Mm -hmm. but, you know, that's part of the issue, too. Is money going to do it? No. Will it help? Yes. But that's why uh, the McMasters or actually it's the teacher recommendations Mm -hmm. saying that we need to do this pay differently
0: they have to take those recommendations up before anything happens, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, you know, whether the legislature follows the recommendations that McMaster put out that follows the recommendations <laughs> of the teachers, yeah. I, I, you know, who knows.
0: But yeah, if you want to fix education, here's a litany of recommendations to help at least mitigate some of these problems. Right. James, when we talk about um, somewhat social issues, but we're talking about guns, it's always a big topic in South Carolina. Uh, H3594, it's a constitutional carry bill that's passed the House, it's over in the Senate too. And they voted, on I believe, in the Senate, too. But um, what's the likelihood of this bill moving forward? It seems like there's a lot tied up with this bill at this moment.
2: Yeah, so again, Republican leaders in the Senate say they don't have the votes to pass a bill that removes uh, the background, regular background checks, and required training, uh, like the House bill does. What they'd like to do is uh, House leaders, with their constitutional carry bill, also added a felon in possession penalty enhancement that the governor has been pushing for a lot. Mm-hmm. Senator Shane Massey would really like to just pass that as a standalone. But um, right now they've kind of been conjoined together to ease some of the opposition from law enforcement groups who want felon in possession but aren't super comfortable with constitutional carry. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, it's another one of those issues that the House and the Senate are going to have to get together. And um, Senate says they don't have the votes. We'll have to see.
0: And Shawna, that's, again, building off of a previous bill that got passed in a lot of open carry with training. So this is just full-blown. If you have a gun, just go and carry it, essentially.
1: You can, If you can
0: legally purchase it, right? Right.
1: If you can legally purchase it and you're 21 and older, then you can already open or concealed carry. Mm-hmm. The, the difference is this would mean you would not have to get that sled permit.
0: Again, that's kind of poised to move, but again, very a lot of factors at play. But it is election year, too. We have a lot of folks mm-hmm. up, and that's a big
1: red media issue And for sure. I'm sure that the Republicans who have voted against so-called constitutional carry are getting a lot of pushback right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Shane Massey's one of
0: them. Sean, we have about five minutes left, and I want to ask you about medical marijuana, because it's a topic we've been talking about for years. Buford Republican Senator Tom Davis has had that bill going before the Senate. It's even gotten out of the Senate before, uh, but it's on the calendar in the Senate right now. He sounds pretty optimistic about it. Kind of tell us a little bit about that bill and the likelihood of it making it to the House and what its fate could be over in the House.
1: Well, as we, we saw it go to the House a couple years ago and then get tossed out on a technicality, which really made a lot of senators mad, even if those who opposed it uh, did not like the way that the House treated their mm-hmm. bill. So it, I think it will move out of the Senate. What happens in the House is anybody's guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love a little back and forth there. James, uh, not the sexiest topic, but we we'll want to talk about judicial reform, uh, really talking about how judges are elected in the state. Again, the legislature does that. We don't have popular elections for judges in the state, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, but this really kind of came up for a few reasons that's got a lot of attention. What's the status of that and where do we see some of that going?
2: Yes, not the sexiest topic, but certainly one that the attorney general and a lot of different lawmakers have, have made a big deal in the off season. To recap, the way South Carolina elects judges, um, there is a 10-person Judicial Merit Selection Commission. Judicial candidates appear before them. This commission does open hearings, questionnaires on their temperament, uh, their public standing. They call up all their friends and colleagues and relatives and... Mm-hmm. Uh, ask them questions about them. So they do the research and they put forward three candidates, up to three candidates for each position. The entire legislature gets together and votes on them. Uh, right now, there, is all, there are all sorts of different proposals. Uh, some people want to remove the three-person cap. Others want to involve the governor in some way, whether it's appointing the members of the JMSC, whether it's appointing candidates to go before the JMSC. They say the executive branch should be more involved. And then others want to remove entirely legislators who are also lawyers, sometimes uh, derogatorily called lawyer legislators. Mm. They want to remove them from the process altogether because they say that uh, they then get undue influence in the courts when they're practicing outside of session. So, Shana,
0: when we talk about judicial reform, you've been around, uh, you have a crystal ball laying around somewhere. What do you think about this going forward? I mean, this all kind of spawned out of the Supreme Court's decision over the six-week ban last January. That got everyone fired up, right?
1: Do I think judicial reform is going to happen this year?
0: (laughs) I mean, I think it's safe to say no. We have like a couple weeks left, but yeah, but this ball, I mean, where do you see this going, essentially?
1: Um, I think they'll tweak, make some tweaks. Um, The three-person cap could come off. Mm -hmm. Um, They could, say, at least limit the number of legislative lawyers on the JMSC. But there's going to be no whole scale, Mm -hmm. any massive changes.
0: I mean, It's a lot of moving parts to it.
1: And, be, and as and Shane Massey said, everyone thinks there should, should be changes, but ask them what and they go. Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, so it's too many moving parts in an, I think, in an election year for them to really come to any court sort of consensus. Mm-hmm.
2: And like you've noted, it is an election year and that can move the ball. And I think there's been some groups that are trying to make this a sexier issue, trying to corral public opinion. And it's just a question of if. This is a topic that excites the public as much as uh, proponents of changes want it to.
0: 30 seconds. Any predictions anyone wants to give really quick? Shauna? Uh, I'm throwing you on the spot here, James.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm going back to medical marijuana. I'll make the prediction that um, we're going to be the last (laughs) state.
2: Not that it's going to pass this year. It will be the last state. Okay. I'll just say my editor told me before I appeared, only talk about what you know. There you go. I cannot. (laughs) I'm not in the business of making predictions. So, you know, uh, I need my paycheck at the end of the day. So my my hands are tied on that question. Shauna can respect
0: that having worked for the AP. But now she's her own boss, so she (laughs) can say what she wants. (laughs) Exactly. That was Shauna Adcox, editor of the South Carolina Daily Gazette, and James Pollard, Report for America Corps member, working with the Associated Press. They'll be running around the statehouse with me, so check out their work, and we'll be featuring it here on The Lead going forward. Also, you can always stay up to date with the latest news at the statehouse and statewide by going to SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and SCETV.org, and don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina Lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Hurt me? (laughs) He baited me to say words that I would never say. (laughs) You will never hear him again if I have my way.